0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back on the pod. Goodness gracious, you know, sometimes... I'm blessed with uh, interviewing great players, and then I'm blessed with interviewing really great players. I am surrounded by greatness today. We have none other than, I now call him colleague, which is, I know, scary for him, <laughs> Barry Larkin, Eric Davis. Welcome to the Gym Day Podcast. How
1: you guys doing?
2: First of all, you said you're players, doing good. bro. You said players. Come you're, on You're now.
1: players
0: forever, man.
2: Players? Boogie, yeah. Boogie, you still a player?
1: I'm not a player. I just crush a lot. <laughs> See? Here we, go. Here we go. Here we As go. That's what that is. We're
0: off and running, which is a beautiful thing. Now, uh, you called him Boogie. Um, where did this name come from? Is this something that we can broadcast? Sure you can. No, nah, you can't call him Boogie. I no, can call him Boogie. No, no, not me. You, you
2: cannot call him Boogie. People cannot never, call him Boogie.
0: I have never called him Boogie one I call time, him nor why ever.
1: But where did it come from? I don't
2: know. Mama gave All me the people who
1: call me boogie call me boogie. Because they know. Well, it just had something to do with with my ability to dance. Really? And, and boogie and and boogie and <laughs> I ho- could see ho- it. oogie joogie down downtown, boogie oogie oogie, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of where it came from from just from that aspect of it. Well, I could see it
0: because when I was escorting you guys to where we're doing this, by the way, we're in an in an echoey office, so we just got to put up with that. But um, he had a strut; he was kind of strutting through, and he's what I'm he saying, does. Man, you got a nice strut going on. What he does, I'm
2: telling you, man. This is this <laughs> dude right here. He set the tone like with his words, but you know the way that he showed up to the ballpark. You know, I see it now with these kids. He he brings a he's boogie. You know, yeah. he brings it's it's like this. It's like this thing that he brings that you just pick up on, and it just it's all about confidence. It's all about swag. It's about representation. It's its, it's boogie. That's what it is. It's boogie.
1: That was good, man. It, it is what it <laughs> you is. You know what I'm saying? That was really, really I was going to say Soul Train with Don Cornelius or something, and he brought me all the way to the ballpark. So
0: that was good. I like that. Soul Train with Don Cornelius. Now you're right in my wheelhouse. Now I love that. Love that action! Uh, you guys have remained friends, uh, close friends. Uh, I'm assuming over the years. What? Let me ask each of you, and and this is kind of a softer question, but what what do you think about each other? Like what, when I say Eric Davis, what, what do you think about Eric Davis and the friendship?
2: Well, I have first of all, I have so much respect and love for him. You know, my first interaction with Boogie was uh, after the season. He asked me, after my first season in 86, it was, he asked me, he said, what do you do in the off season? I said, I don't know, just kind of chill or whatever. He said, I want you to come out to LA. And I was like, okay. You know, I'm 22 years old, I'm going out to LA and I get there at seven, eight o'clock at night and then six or seven o'clock the next morning, we're out running the hills and Woodland Hills. And he tells me, he's like, you know, it's easy to get to the big leagues, but it's tough to stay here. you know, I wanna show you and kinda of impress upon you uh, that, you know, it, it takes some hard work to stay there. So this is what we do. And that was my first, you know, obviously during the season I was playing and, and watching him and you know, kinda of trying to imitate and emulate the things that he was doing, but it was more kind of like the the presence that he had that was more impactful and then when he invited me to his house not really knowing me. It just kind of really impressed upon me the type of person that he
0: is. He's an amazing person. When I say Barry Larkin, what's
1: that mean to you? Off the top, just consistency uh, in everything that he does, uh, on the field, off the field, in between, uh, watching him grow. He was consistently doing the things that it took to get to where he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, having an understanding of where he wanted to go was consistent. Um, The first time I saw him was during the 84 Olympic team and they came through Cincinnati. And not really knowing him but hearing about him and I'm watching and I'm watching everybody do what they do and, and just some odd little conversations was about him not, starting, I think it was what was it, Gary Green or somebody yep. like that. The guy from the Padres. And I'm watching this guy and I'm watching him and I'm saying, okay, that didn't like really resonate with me. But just from watching him, he was kinda cool with it at that moment. And instead of being angry at that moment, he was kinda cool with it because of just his his aura about him at that particular time. And and then when we got him and I saw a little bit of that and that what started me into the movement of, I don't know if this kid know how good he is right now but how great he can be in the future. And then watching him grow into that. Uh, you don't play 20 years. no. And then you don't play 20 years from one team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and be the things that, He was, and then watching his model of consistency and then watching him improve. And I tell him this all the time, and I tell uh, the kids, college kids and high school kids, that most college kids don't improve. They are what they are when you get them. And I use him as an example because he did get better. If you watched the way he was when we first got him in conjunction to what he turned out to be, you never thought he would hit 20 home runs and be the first shortstop in Major League Baseball to go 30-30. So watching him do that, Let's me know that he wasn't a selfish individual or he knew it all because he was open for suggestions. And that was just his ability to want to be consistent and want to be good. Yeah. Now I look back
0: uh, and everyone loved that 1990 team, uh, what you guys did, how you captured the city. And I don't want to say coming out of nowhere because you guys are pretty good before that. Um, but man, people love that team and the characters on the team. Uh, can you guys talk about how it was built that team was built because there's a lot of guys that came up through the system together you added some pieces but just the people that don't know how that just thing from was the jump because that Pete was years of the making that though. yeah
1: that's what I i'm talking Pete about. Rose built that yeah. um because Pete was was a person who who he saw what he saw he liked what he liked he wanted what he wanted and and he didn't allow how much time you had or what kind of seasoning you had in order to help us in Cincinnati and I always say right now, I still talk to Pete. He still calls me on my birthday every day, every year. And just, you have to have somebody to believe in you. And and Pete believed in me at 21 years old. And then when you saw Barry and Stillwell and Tracy Jones and Paul O'Neill and Cal Daniels, I think one year he took four, four or five rookies. And And that's just the way he was. And then yeah. we finished second- and then we had to straighten out some things. Uh uh, you know, with Lark going from number fifteen to number eleven, which <laughs> his chest came out when he became one-one and stuff like that. Heck and then yeah. moving on from Dave Concepcion was real big for us. And then Sable coming and moving on from Buddy Bell and those guys was that and Joe Oliver. So we kind of pushed our way into that. I was I was before that, but I kind of pushed my way into center field with Eddie Milner and those guys. And then you watched these guys come and then you started to see us kind of migrate together because I got to Cincinnati in eighty-four, and then Barry came in eighty-six, and Paul came in eighty-six or eighty-seven, and then you started to see Browning came in eighty-five. And so you started to see yeah. our farm system really materialize. And then finishing second, like three out of four years or four out of five years under Pete, not being able to get over that hump. And then we all know what happened in eighty nine with the suspensions and different things like that and Luke coming in and really giving us the the drive and the determination to know that we were good and it was okay for us to show it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I
2: that's kinda how I remember it. It was a lot of young we had a lot of youth on that team. You know, we did have some outliers here and there, but it was, you know, it was Boogie's team and we were just kind of the young guys that we really played like we didn't have anything to lose because we all were so young at that time, you know, and, you know, Lou Pinella came in and I think he was really good at orchestrating or kind of setting the tone for I don't like except lose, I don't like losing and we're not going to lose kind of concept, you know, totally different personality than Pete Rose. But, yes, Pete Rose gave us all as young players an opportunity. He was. He didn't really care about where you were drafted or how old you were. It was about how you play and how you get after it. And we all got after it. We all happened to be young. And, you know, he pushed for us all to be up in the big leagues. And it was very different uh, than other organizations because I believe we were about one of the youngest teams at that time.
0: Now, I asked that question for this reason. You guys are working with minor leaguers as we speak, uh, which is great. To see you guys in reds uniforms is terrific. And I can see how the guys – are magnetized towards you and it, which is saying something because there's a generation gap there probably more than ever right now but what i'm getting at is do you see the same type of things like you can you can see certain kids placing them there that these kids are going to come up in the system together and they're very talented more talented players in my opinion that we've had in a while. I shouldn't say we than the reds have had in a while uh, can you see the formulation of, of a good team through these young kids you're working with
2: well, that's kind of a difficult question to answer because you know we're not as involved. Overall, we're kind of involved in the minor leagues. Yeah. So you're talking about when these kids ascend to the big leagues. You know, I don't think either one of us are really in a position to to really comment at, at too much on that because we really don't have those kind of discussions. Yeah, are is there talent? Absolutely, there's plenty of talent. But kind of when they allow them, kind of how Pete did with us and brought up the young guys together, what they're going to do with them as far as taking them to the big leagues? Yeah, when uh, when well, I know
0: gonna, I know that's not in in your paper yeah, but right you right
1: can now. see it, um, just the talent. Yeah, yeah, you can see it, and and it's times there we fantasize when we are hop nodging amongst each other in the coach's office and we have our own little conversations about. The players and what we see, and and for the first time in a long time, we've had an, a opportunity to really feel good about each position in the minor leagues that could transform itself into a uh, in, into the major leagues. We got a chance to see what Christian and Konstantinon can do. You, uh, you you know what Ellie can do. You see what Marte can do. Now you have an opportunity for. Uh, Matt McClain to play second base, and then you put Stevenson behind the plate. So you have a formula to where you start to resonate and be like, dang, if this comes to fruition, you can see some similarities in how we moved. Um, the, the only one i probably say we didn't have was second base. But you saw the outfield. You saw certain positions, and then you saw them kind of move in in – in an easier pace now how that transforms up to what they do in Cincinnati I have no idea right. but just fantasizing we do that sometimes you oh, look yeah. at some of these kids and then you see the Jay Allens and the Reese Hines and Austin and these guys you be like man if these kids can kind of grasp it quicker you can start to see like that whole movement, almost like the Dodgers did with, say, Garvey, Lopes, and Russell, and then the big red machine, our guys, was there yeah. for a long period of time. So it's fun to fantasize, but uh, but to be able to see it, yeah, you see some of those kind of yeah. things. Hopefully
2: you do. I'm going to tell you one thing that I picked up on from the players. Uh, last time I was here, uh, you see some young players playing, and, and there were a lot of acquisitions, a lot of bringing in, like, free agents to kind of fill in at triple AAA and at the big league level. I hear young guys saying now, hey, when we get to the big leagues, right, as opposed to they're going to bring out a, another player from the outside. I hear a lot of internal promotion from inside, and I think that's valid because I think the players realize that they do have opportunities, and I think they realize that they're really good. And those players that he mentioned – they have opportunities, and they are they are really really good players. Obviously, they have some seasoning still to go, but but the foundation is definitely definitely there.
0: Yeah, I I was just watching a spring training game. There was a, a game where Encarnacion Strand was at first, McLean was at second, Ellie was at shortstop. I think it was Steer at third base, but you know that could be a, a Marte in, in the future. There was Jay Allen was in the dugout. I think Hendricks was in the dugout that day. I'm like, all right, I can. I can. Yeah, Stevenson is behind the plate. Yeah. I know this v. O. Hain, uh catcher is a good one coming through the pipe. So you could just like, okay, if just most of these guys make it, which I I, I hope they will, you you could just see it. So that's part of fantasizing. All right, I I've bored you too long with uh, questions like this. I I played in. My theme music coming in, but perhaps I should have played this.
1: <laughs> Why did I start laughing? <laughs> Red Hot in the Rain, coming live from WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs>
0: now, we, we, we need to talk about this. I've been wanting to talk about this for years. 'Cause I think we have Paul O'Neill leading off here. Is that right? Is he...
2: Yeah, that was a late that was a late day decision to make well, well, because he showed up and I don't know if we expected him to show up. Yeah. We didn't have a part for him. Well, so here's I his was, part. Now I present the champion.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, now before we go further, who the story behind this, you who wrote this? You did you write this? I wrote it along with Guys from Cincinnati, some of my, some of the guys from the,
2: the neighborhood. Gooch was my boy, Terry Gibson. There were a couple other guys.
1: Produced it, yeah. did everything. We didn't get no royalties off that. I'm <laughs> mad. I'm still mad because <laughs> I heard it made some paper and we didn't get none of it. It made some paper? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's get a little more here.
0: circa 1990. <laughs> rest of my crew. Boogie East, Buzz McKenzie, the Nasty Boys, too. Coming to your live just to bust the groove. Bus, With some help from my yeah.
2: homeboys to make you move. This is the time of year to take the penny. Ain't no half-stepping, so, so let's win it. it. Listen up, listen to the story. This is the year, the moment of glory. The, the streets of L.A.
1: I chose Bob. Don't live the wrong way. Come on with it. The... People doing drugs and acting like the cool. If they were smart, they'll keep the silly bus to school. <laughs> Enough of that. Don't want to tell you what to do. Just listen up. I know you two was right for you. Back to this rap and listen what we got to say. Because 1990, we're going to take it all away. <laughs> Love it. The you can see in the video of Billy Hatcher doing this. Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> he was.
2: Yeah, man, that, that was. That was amazing, man. I remember I was talking to Gooch, my boy, about this. And, you know, we, we made the comment. We were like, you know, the Super Bowl shuffle thing, bro, we got to do something like that. Yeah. We got to do something like that, man. And, you know, him and Terry and, and some of his other, other boys, they start putting some stuff together. Gooch lived like two two houses up from my mom and dad growing up. So we were in the basement of his house one day, and he was like, well, what do you think about this? Well, Boogie's from L.A., So let's talk about okay. We know what my part's gonna be. I'ma introduce whatever, blah blah blah. The team, all right. Let's talk about Boogie. What we gonna do? Well, where's he from? He's from L.A. And you know, and it's like these guys are so like, so like talented. They just start coming up with stuff. All right. I'm from L.A. The streets of L.A. or whatever. I'm Boogie. You know, whatever it is. That's that's what I call. That's his nickname, bro. Boogie. You got to put boogie in there. You got to find out like that's how it happened. And they put it together, bro. I mean, it was it was amazing that creation. It was it, it was fun. It was amazing. But the crazy thing was, so go. I go back to the guys. I'm like, yo, we we gonna do this. Mu- We're gonna do this music video. We're gonna do this song. Like, all right, cool. Now we got to do this song way before. That was my next question. Way before yeah. we ended up winning. It was yeah. like, so you know how they have the commercials for the world for the Super Bowl champion, yeah. like right after the oh, Super yeah. Bowl's over, they yeah. world champion. Mm-hmm. But the other they had they had it in the you know they had it ready, kind of queued up. Whoever's going to win, that's how it was. We had it queued up, and once we won, it was like, all right, let's roll it, bro, let's roll it out. So we worked on that for, and we made the video in probably a month or so before the season was yeah up.
0: yeah. And the the Super Bowl shuffle, I think, was the same way. They've recorded it before, yeah. They yeah, but won. they didn't have no rhythm. We had rhythm. They didn't have no
2: rhythm. <laughs> well, not all of us. Hold on to no rhythm. I looked at the video. Not all of now. us, bro.
0: Uh, Myers and Dibble and Charlton looked a little stiff there. In fact, how did you did you have to talk them into? No. That, were they down with it? Oh, of course, bro. They. The only one
2: that with. really struggled was Saves. Saves. Saves really struggled with it. That's the nasty boy. This is our time to shine. Yeah. That's why we're busting this ride. Herm, Herm had that bass, bro. Herm had
0: that voice. They gotta be cat. That's Hatch right
1: there. <laughs> Hatch has got the high voice in this. You can't touch this. I, I don't think anybody could understand Jose Rio. Oh my goodness. He said, Towards the end.
0: <laughs> well, he, yeah, he was talking about not doing. Going to stay in his school, right? Yeah. Say
2: no to drugs, say yeah. no to school. That was a or big no campaign to, and,
0: and throughout the eighties. So, yeah,
2: um, Mariano, Mariano, and and uh, and Jose Rijo, they were dressed for the occasion. Yeah. I mean, they came in like they were going to the studio to lay it down on some wax or whatever they say, bro. They, they, uh, you know, they were ready to go. Both of them, like if you look at the video, I think they were, everybody else was like in sweats or whatever, yeah, yeah. but them two, I mean, they were, they were suited, suited and booted. That's yeah. right. They oh, was ready it, was, to go. it was
0: straight early nineties too, because there were some real. Uh, some bright stuff going yeah. on. There's oh, a full Some high top fades. Yeah. There's some kid and play oh, going Barry on. Barry had a fade. Yeah, I sure on. did. Or you had a flat top. You I had, had a flat fade. top, but it was faded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was faded. But it's for you uh, youngsters out there, just go on YouTube and click in Red's Hot, then it will come up. Now the chorus that uh, you know it's kinda it's catchy. So yeah. where where where'd you
2: Once again it was those guys, man. I mean, I can't take the credit for that. It was you know, two. I think it was Two Vain was the name of their their group. It was uh, Daryl Gibson, Terry Gibson, and Todd. I forgot Todd's last name, but you know, I I just went to them, or we actually Gooch and I are, real, are boys, so we start talking about it, and they got it together, and they kind of put it all together. It was it turned out <laughs> pretty dang good, at least at that time it was.
0: Now we got to hear Sabo here. Oh.
1: oh. Nazi. Yeah. Did, did you hear him say "way back there"? I did. <laughs>
2: I did. That's another story we got to talk about. Go Sabo,
1: go Sabo, go, go, go Sabo. Yeah.
2: So. We were sitting there and Spuds was supposed to do this whole part by himself. And we were over there coaching him on when to come in. Oh, and it was like he could not figure he could not figure it out at all. And so we were like, how are we gonna do this? And then Glenn Bragg stepped up. He was like, I'll, I'll kind of lead him in, right? We got it. We got it. But it was, oh, bro. I think Actually, this- it
1: turned out better than we could have thought it was going to be because oh, it was perfect. Well, yeah. I'm still talking about it today. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm tickled to death to roll this in. Make to the big leagues just like me. Striking out Here's is what I do. Stay straight or you'll be struck out, too. <laughs> this is to again. This reason our heart stands cool. Free You'll go far. Don't do don't be a loser. Listen to
0: us and don't be a loser. we the I love, I love it. I love it. What We're a great red. year. And I know that people red are high. in Cincinnati right now and experience this. Red have a smile on their face. Red because high. that was a great, great year. Yeah. Great year. It was, man. And the songs, because you guys had characters. And this is, you know, a, a perfect reflection of the type of team you had. Type of characters you had, type of people you had.
1: Any time you have a good meal, you got different <laughs> foods, you got different flavors, you got different parts of the meal, and that's what our clubhouse was—was was a a g- group of different people that flowed together for for the common goal, which our meal was to win the Winter World Series, and that's yeah. that's a perfect example of that. Is, is is what you heard on that song. Yeah. Oh, no question about but, it. But,
2: you know, it wasn't always all harmony, man. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like we had our struggle. We didn't have our struggles. It wasn't like we didn't have our fights in the clubhouse. I mean, obviously, some of them were a little more <laughs> publicized, publicized than, others. Yeah. than others. But, you know, it was like, hey, you know, there's going to be some struggles. And there were some struggles. And, you know, there was some doubt here and there. The only person I think that I've ever played with that had no doubt or struggles, at least externally, was this dude right here next to me, Boogie. And, you know, it was like for us, because we were all so young, we were still kind of trying to identify or kind of kind of figure out who we were. And, you know, and so we it wasn't all it, we had a very strong leader in Lupinella and a very strong leader in, in 44. And we But we were all young and early in our career, So we were still trying to establish ourselves. And so. There were plenty of times, I mean, you hear that song and everything is nice and fun and, yeah, it's all good and all, but it wasn't It wasn't like that all the time, I'm telling you. Yeah. Not at all.
0: No, it was time during when Tough Love was acceptable, too, so I'm sure you guys had some moments.
1: And constructive it. criticism.
0: Very much so, yeah. yeah. You had some top of the step guys. All you don't see that as much anymore nowadays. But, uh, all right, now you mentioned uh, hitting it way back. Are we talking about the wall scraper thing here or what uh, – what are we talking about? Hold on, J.D. What do you mean
2: the wall scraper thing? What are, what are you talking you about You said him? at
0: one time he talked about your home runs being wall scrapers. No,
2: I, I didn't say his was wall scrapers. So listen. His was
1: off the bricks. So go.
2: All right. So we were in the clubhouse the other day just here. This just happened a week ago, right? And so we're sitting around and someone was like, hey, y'all were playing Houston. Billy Durham was there. And he brought up like, yeah, you guys went back to back to back. And he said, he went to the mound to give, to talk to the pitcher. And then he said, the only reason I'm here is to give the fireworks guy time to reload because everybody <laughs> keeps taking you deep, right? <laughs> so, so that was Billy's comment, right? And so we were all laughing. And then somebody pulls up the video. I did. Right. You know
1: who pulled a video and, up. Hey, I
2: I, I, listen, I'm not saying who. I'm just saying it. So, gotcha. So Sable hit the first home run to left field. Fly ball to left field. Left fielder back. Boom, gone. Next up, Barry Larkin. Line drive to left field. Oh, and it's over the wall right in left field. Back to back home runs. Up comes Davis. Deep fly ball. <laughs> deep, 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 deep left field. And that's what he picks up on. He's like... All right, so I want y'all not to just watch the video, but I want y'all to listen to what the announcer says, right? And the announcer
1: said, "Fly ball, fly ball, deep, fly ball, deep." <laughs> <laughs> there had to be some consistency with that. I didn't want to be the same as those guys. I had to just stretch him out just a little bit. So you got some Lee May in you. So the, oh, absolutely. <laughs> just the tad.
0: So the just wall
2: scraper, bit. the wall scraper, I hit <laughs> yeah. a home run at some particular point. And then, you know, normally we get the ball and they write, you know, home run, <laughs> September, whatever it is off a of blah, 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 two, one ball game. I get a ball back in my locker that I hit deep, right? I hit a home run and it's got a yellow mark on it. I'm like, what the heck is this? Well, somebody somebody took the yellow marker and said that I just cleared the outfield fence, and you know that yellow line that's at the oh, top yeah. of it.
1: Oh yeah, it was a scraper. <laughs> I didn't want him to tell a wrong story because that ball didn't lie. He put so a yellow. If he showed that ball, it, it was gonna be some yellow part right <laughs> on the middle. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, was man. the giggles we had.
2: Oh, that was it. Yeah. I mean that and that that's how it was all the time. And you know, it was it really was an environment like our clubhouse was it was so it was tense and you had to be on your P's and Q's. You had to be, you had to be ready. When you walked into that clubhouse, you had to be ready because shots yeah. were gonna be fired all around the room. And it wasn't just us, it was Browning. You know, it was Dibs. It was Randy Johnson with his or Randy Myers, Myers. with his dang on live grenade. <laughs> it was crazy as Norm Charlton. You know, it was ev- it was yeah. everybody. It was Herm doing his thing. It was everybody had a little piece here and there.
1: I was just always felt that that laughter cured a lot of things, and and when you can make somebody that's nervous or or got some anxiety and you can make them giggle for a little while, it, it kind of at eases that tension a little bit. So that's all we did was just made sure that, yeah, we knew what was at stake, but more times than not, if, if, if you felt the pressure because Lou did his damnness to keep the pressure going on us all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. he'd turn over the spread. he he be in the shower. He did a lot of different things. Cause that's just how much he wanted to win. But us being young, we was like, "Wait a minute, we got this." You know what I'm saying? We gonna play and stuff. Because we went wire to wire, so we didn't taste second place at all in the division. So we had built something about like we was expecting ourselves to win, but we couldn't like really flash it and put it out there. So 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 Lou would try to keep us humble a little bit by saying we hadn't done anything yet, and we're gonna lose this and. And hum-baby this and hum-baby that when he was talking about Roger Craig. So we had a lot of things that we had to deal with. And to me, it was easier when you had laughter.
0: No, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And Speaking of easing tension, inning one, game one, World Series, the home run. I mean, how big was was that for that dugout? It
2: it was appropriate, right? It was, you know. Because it was his... Because it was his team, tone. it was the tone, and you know all we heard was we didn't have a chance. Yeah. And he was in there talking about, bro, they saying we ain't got no chance. We gonna show them, right? And so you know, as young players, you're sitting there like, okay, I, okay, you know, <laughs> yeah. I hear what you're saying. Then when he did what he did, when he hit that home run, it was like, oh, like that? Okay, now we can roll. That really kind of it was. It was so appropriate it happened that way.
1: Like, they did us kind of dirty. They didn't even want to speak to us or anything. The A's? Yeah. It was only a few guys that came and really? spoke to us out there. They did their thing, and they had their sleeves rolled up and stuff like that, which was kind of a slap in the face because we had just as many all-stars on our team as they had on their team. And, and for us to go wire to wire and, and to get through a really, really, really tough Pittsburgh team, because they kind of mirrored us. And the only thing for us that really what we felt separated us was our bullpen because they had a great lineup and they kind of did the, played the same style of ball that we played. And then when we got there, we knew them; they didn't know us because, like Honeycutt and Welch and those guys, we faced a lot of those guys because they came from the National League. So we felt confident in our abilities against them. They didn't know our guys, so that's why we was kind of quietly confident about they don't even know what they finna run into, <laughs> you know. And then when I hit the home run, and I tell people this all the time, yeah, it ignited it, but if Rio comes back out that next inning to give up three runs, it negates it, so we don't even be having these conversations. But him going out and then shutting them out, it was really like a slap, it was like a hammer down to them because they didn't expect that for us to come out there and hit them over the head and then drop a sledgehammer on them too and then shut them out and us for us to move and then beat Eckersley the next night. It was a wrap. It was just a matter of, of, of of it was gonna be four or five.
2: You know, the thing that JD, the thing that I remember about that series, early in that series, as a player, was the reaction of Ricky Henderson when Jose Rijo struck him out with the slider and Ricky took that bat and put it <laughs> over his head there. and he was like, oh boy. You know, I, I never talked to Ricky about this. And you know we don't really talk too much about that at the when we get to the Hall of Fame we don't we don't really talk about it right but he had that bat over his head and I remember looking at him like oh we got them we got them at you know that that was just it was it was a frustration on his part and Riho was slinging the thing and Boogie hit the home run and it happened early I think it was in game one I think mm-hmm. it was in game maybe it wasn't in game one but I just remember him oh it was game one any mm-hmm. one. I just remember him with that bat over his head like like he was like baffled like how in the world is this happening and then I remember seeing that you know because you try to pick up on cues of the opposition and you're like okay he's frustrated guy go throw his bat or you know cussing or whatever he's doing right snapping right I remember that and when that happened I was he hit the home run and that happened I'm thinking oh man <laughs> we got them Right. No. And then it was over. It was it was literally over.
0: Well, I look, look on Dave Stewart's face when you hit it. He tried to keep the stoic look on me looking at us. But you could you could see in his eyes like, oh, man, that was
1: well. I was. My best but it pitch. was crazy because that identical situation happened in the All-Star game in Anaheim. I came up in an identical situation, two outs, man on first base and he threw me a first pitch fastball for a strike and I took it and he threw me four splits and he walked me. And I was like, damn, Stu, you you're gonna, you're gonna throw me four splits? He said, I gave you one, you weren't ready for it. I said, okay, you right, you right, you right. So all of that time when we clinched and we play in Oakland and I know that he's going to be the opening day pitcher, all of that was resonating in my mind that he was going to give me one And that was it. And I was going to have to fend for myself. And the identical situation presents itself. And I said, if he throws me this fastball, I'm not taking this one because I know that's going to be the only one that I'm going to get. And that was the result of pitchers being kind of in in their routine on how they think about if I can get ahead and then go to my split because that was really his best pitch was his split.
0: How much when you guys have had the reunions, is it just like picking up where you left off teammates like – years hadn't gone by and is and it is it that sort of thing that it's that always bomb, pick that up yeah it,
1: anytime we get together is always pick up it's just a long extension cord yeah. um uh, that's plugged in from 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 year to year to year or or five years at a time and stuff but when you spend so much time and we've been uh to actually blessed to been able to have this job and, and and to see each other on a regular basis, but. And, you know, more of the other guys, we only get a chance to see them, or when you see them, you see them. But just the fact that you have that, and then when Browning was alive, may rest in peace, my partner, and he would be down here, and then you would see us talk and all the different things, and then you start to have those conversations, and then we really start to reminisce, and then it becomes really more. But, But it's always just an extension of being able to resonate with the guys that you spend so much of your life with.
0: Who are uh, some favorite? I know you'll leave some guys out, but favorite teammates. I'm sure you get asked that on the circuit when you're speaking. Whatever. Who are your favorite guys that you're on? Who's on the list? L- Luis Quinones. Clothed or not clothed? <laughs> <laughs> Louis Q.
2: You know, we had so much personality. <laughs> that is a joke, by the way. B- right, <laughs> right. We had so much personality. You know, it was the, <clears throat> the front line guys were, were awesome, right? Saves was amazing. and. Pablo, him and him and Paul O'Neill had their own. Just that interaction. Oh Oh, my God, was priceless. They had their own kind of, I don't know if it was a language or what, but it was,
1: What you doing pal? I
2: mean, these two good, like what the heck are they talking about, right?
1: You keep swinging and missing pal. (laughs) Crazy. Crazy. And you couldn't help but giggle with it. It was just so many different ways. And then you switch in to Randy Myers, and then you get into Norm and Dib, and then Rio had his language, and then Mariano, and see, we all had our own different things that 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 we brought to the table that made it what it became. But it was just so many. Then he became Barry Larkin from San when he learned Spanish. <laughs> And everything was blah. <laughs> I was like, what, like, like, okay, we don't do English in America no more. What are we doing <laughs> in Rico. Book, bu- book, bu- bu- you gonna have to learn Spanish. Book. Bu- <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm from not Los Rico, I'm from Los Angeles. <laughs> so that was it. Was all of that was going on? Yeah, it was. It was so much going on.
0: Well, I said, is clothed or not clothed? Just to explain to people, he had the tendency to run around the clubhouse with no clothes on. Well, that was him, True. <laughs> sure. all the time. Q was beautiful, man. Q was <laughs> Q was amazing. But he
1: would always, anytime we was in an airport, he would always get a lady and say, "Excuse me, miss, you dropped something." And they would always look, and again, he would get a dollar bill sometime and put a string on it and say, "Ma'am, you been?" And he would just keep pulling the string, and the lady keep grabbing the money. <laughs> so it was always something with him, yeah. Where where, it, and it was always at the right time, and if we. What was coming off a road trip and we was going from one city to something or something, and the mood was kind of somber. He was always on time to raise that room. Guys, okay, let's forget about that game. Is over with. Let's get our giggle on and have a couple cocktails and do our thing. So he was always that type of guy that always brightened the mood at the right time.
0: Did you ever get tased by Randy Myers taser? No. Nah. Like Lou did.
2: No, no, he knew he knew who not to no. taste, bro. He he knew who not to taste. <laughs> Mister Mello, Mister Mello's not a dumb man, right? He no. know he, he knew he he yeah. knew who not to taste. No, bro. he wasn't gonna do that. You know, one guy we don't talk about a lot is Ronnie Oster. You know, Ronnie Oster was uh, really inspirational. You know, he I don't know how much he played at that time. Mariano came in and I think kind of took over. But we were in L.A. and one of those times we were really struggling. Ronnie Oster was like. Yo, man, we need to do something to bring this team together. And, and he kind of shaved his head bald, and the guy said that they were going to join him, right? <laughs> and he, he ended up being
1: the only one to do it. <laughs> but they but saw it, the look on Ronnie O with a bald <laughs> head, and they were like, My wife is out of here if I do that. <laughs> but nonetheless, it was inspirational. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. He, he was a huge part. He was. And, and to know him would, to, was to be. So so happy for him to be a part of that, cause he was in Cincinnati before I came, and I watched him, and he was a good player, and and he was probably one of the best second baseman hands wise that I ever seen. And Lark knows in the feeling they know it way more than I do. But I used to hear other other teams talk about his abilities to ter- turn double plays and his range and different things like that. But from an emotional standpoint, he was right there to to give us that keep guys in check because he had that veteran mentality. Him and Senior was there who had that veteran mentality that allowed guys to kind of pull a rope a little bit. But then it was like, okay, it's time to rein it in and let's get back to this. So it, it, it takes everybody. When you say it takes 25 guys to win a championship, it really does. Because if you look at our bench and you look at the knock he got and then you look at the – and Ronnie was a better left-hand hitter than he was a right-hand hitter. And probably the biggest hit he got in his life was right-handed. Mm. And and then you look at what Kenyonis did and then what Herm Winningham did and Glenn Braggs and the list can go on and on. And you watch what our guys did, guys who like Scott Scudder and him who were starting and now was in the bullpen. So it took all of that in order for us to win. And and we would be remiss if we didn't give them they're just due because they was just as intricate as it was us and all, all the other people who had a bigger part. Yeah, you had
0: Benzinger and all Morris right. that both yes. played first base. So mm-hmm. Yep, Billy
2: Bates scored the game-winning run in game two. What my favorite. On no, the no, Joe Oliver yeah, double down my, the left field line off Yeah. My
0: favorite Nuxie call yeah. of all time. Then
1: you I mean. also have to look at the, the, the contributions that Billy Dorn gave us down the stretch prior to him hurting his back because mm-hmm. he had some big times of where we was kind of tingering and stuff, and we got him, yeah. and he got some big hits in some big places at, at the right time and stuff, because I think our league got down to four. That's when Lou was talking about the Hum baby. It ain't going to be no this, this, this. we going to win and stuff. And I want to say Billy got some big hits in that series that helped us win those games that put us took us from even being up four to seven that kind of calmed the water. So – it was a total team effort from all of us. How many?
0: How many fans ask you about Lou? A lot. Like, yeah, a lot. It's a lot, right? Yeah, they, love, know, they loved. They loved.
2: He was an integral part of it, man. I, you know, I think the team. I really, truly believe that our team took on the personality of Lou Piniella. It was, it was really a lot of, a lot of passion. A lot of passion. A little bit different than than Pete. Um, you know, Pete was like that players manager because he played and he was right there with you Lou was like he wanted to he was separate he you know although he did play he was like the dictator and this is the way it's going to go down and I think we really needed that because at the time as Boogie said we had finished in second place yeah. three or four other five years right and prior years and it was like we need something to get over the hump and you know it, we were kind of the same players we had a few guys here they're different but Different leadership, different voice, and I thought Lou really provided that for us.
1: It was a lot of us that was skeptical, though. Um, but I would say what really made it easy for us was we had a lockout, and and we only played like two weeks or something, and and the season started because that was the first year we opened up on the road. We had all, all Houston, race, right? Yeah, you open in Houston. But but the first game we played. We played like seven innings or eight innings because we had to get ready. Mm -hmm. And the guys who were fighting for a job, they were playing B games. And we were out there, so we had to come together really, really quick. It wasn't a a six-week honeymoon to try to fill out Lou or fill out the coaching staff or whatever. We had to hit really hit the ground running. So I, I, I would really say that that helped us focusing on on the game and really not Lou and what he was all about, because that was the first time Pete didn't throw no 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 bases like him and swear outside the little incident he had with the umpire. But like Lou caught us by surprise <laughs> a lot of a lot of the things. We like that this dude is crazy. What we gonna do with him? So we glad we got that down the line and not early because we might have kind of. Kind of, kind of looked at him sideways, like man, he on the sauce real quick, man. What we gonna do with him? You know what I'm saying?
2: I remember when Lou came to Cincinnati. You know, everybody was like, "Yo, Lark, do you know who this new manager is?" You know, because like Boogie said, we had a lockout, and then you know it was like, "Oh, okay, we're gonna start, right?" And Lou, I just happened to be in Cincinnati uh, when Lou had his press conference, and I met him. And normally, you know, it's like, okay, hey, let me talk to you about the team, this, that, and the other. There was none of that with Lou. So, like Boogie said, it was like he came in, and it was like, okay, this is the way we're gonna do it. I don't accept losing. We're not gonna lose. Let's get to work. And it's like, okay, it was as I said, it was uncomfortable. There was tension, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, a comfortable feeling in the clubhouse. It was love it was good it was you know a, a culture of winning but it was not there was tension i'm telling you there was tension there bro and i feel like that's what helped us get over that hump because we there was no happy to be there it was happy to have an opportunity but you better do something with this
0: opportunity oh, i love the sense of urgency i wish it was around all the time but i think it breeds success but Man, this was, a, this was a treat. I'm not going to keep you guys any longer. I've kept you longer than I said I would. Uh, but I think the fans appreciate it. I know this is the middle of your day and can be a pain to do some of these things. But I know the fans are going to appreciate it. They're going to love this. So I appreciate the walk down memory lane. Now you hold were- on.
2: Now hold on, JD. Since we got him on the mic. <laughs> since we got him on the mic. Oh, I love this. <laughs> I have always, always dreamt about having an opportunity to work with this dude who did so much for me in my career, right? Just kind of allow people to kind of get inside like our relationship. Right. So, so a couple things happen. Take over Barry. Come on. A a couple things happen, right? So Boogie and I were scheduled to do during the Reds fest, scheduled to do this talk, right? And then, you know, we get out there, we start talking, the juices start flowing, the memories start coming. And we start telling stories and we told stories and we probably were supposed to be there for an hour. I think we were there for like two hours or so and just telling all these different stories. But one thing that this guy does is he imitates hitters. All the best. Unbelievable. Like everybody's batting stance. Yeah, We have somehow got to get him in a platform where we can show that about him. Oh, I've
0: got the platform.
2: And then, and then he does the call this is where I'm going, a Vin Scully. He grew up listening to Vin Scully, and he has an amazing Vin Scully call. So when he came up to the booth last year in Cincinnati, and he was there, I kind of threw it at him like off air. I'm like, Boogie, come on, man, do your Vin Scully. He's like, no, nah, man, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do But I'm saying that today. Because we're going to have a whole bunch of time with you. There has
1: to be a setting for that, man. I got to be on scripted with that. No, it's not. I have to be. See, anytime you go in the booth, right, (laughs) he has all his information and he knows the players and he knows the play-by-play. Just give me the lineups and let me look at them and let me watch what they do. And then I'll get into the game and then I'll get in that. But what what I really would just do is 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 just say one little quick one about how he talks about Barry Larkin when he'd be talking about Barry Larkin. And and he has such a charismatic way of of how he was doing it. And it was almost like, hi, everybody. Welcome to Dodger Stadium. This is Vince Scully, number 15, turning into number 11, Barry Larkin from Cincinnati, Ohio. What a player. What a player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and, and then he would say like high drive in the deep left field back goes baker away back to the warning track to the wall she's gone <laughs> yes right yes. but
2: i gotta get that live in the game that's happening in exactly. cincinnati yeah. when he's sitting in the booth you know just throw your vince gully on there just call a call the game can I get that boogie? Can I get... Come can on, I, I get I'm, I'm
1: going to work with that on you. Yes, I'm going to work with that. Right. that. Yeah, you're going to get right. that.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. That,
2: that's that's yeah. all I want.
0: Now, I have the forum to show these batting stances. In fact, it's something I've been wanting to do for years because yeah. I've seen you do it. Yeah. Like, your Will Clark's amazing. Your Pete Rose yes. is amazing how you watch. The, yeah. The, yeah. So, will you do this for our TV cameras? Sure, I'll get that in for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that fans would love that because it's funny. It's good. It's not just like... Oh, it's I, funny because Eric Davis is doing it. They're actually I really tell good. kids all
1: the time, if you can mimic a hitter, it's easy to make adjustments and it's easy to try different things. But most kids are so stuck in one apparatus that they don't see outside of themselves. And probably because we didn't have television when I was a kid, you didn't see a lot of the game, so you heard it on radio, so you had to visualize what they were doing when you got a chance to see them so we would practice pete rose and joe morgan flapping the elbow and willie starge and everybody so that became you when you was playing pickle when you was in the front water playing wiffle ball oh, yeah i'm reggie jackson and then we flipped the bat and stuff like that so that was part of our childhood
0: same thing i had yeah. every member of the big red machine down and other prominent players in the league, we all knew their batting stance. I still know their batting stance to this day. I could stand up. And yes, go, but go could right you
1: now. talk like Tony Perez
0: talk? Probably not. I like to tank. <laughs> <laughs> during Tony, oh
2: my God! During Tony's acceptance speech, it's funny. It's funny to to, to see this. This dude is an unbelievable. But anyway, during Tony's acceptance speech. You know, the one thing that we talked to these players, Tony Perez and Davey Concepcion had had been in the States for I don't know how many years playing, you know, in the States. And this guy over here used to get on both of them about, You've been here for 25 years, bro. You gotta speak English. You can't speak Spanglish. You gotta speak English, right? Spanglish. And, oh my God. And then, when, <laughs> yeah, hilarious. and then when Tony had his day in Cincinnati and he was like, well, How'd he go, Boogie? I like to tank. You know? <laughs> I like to
1: tank. My teammate, my family, the fan. Gracias, amigo. And he went off into the sunset. <laughs> And we would sit like that. Who did he just tank? Did you hear
2: who he
1: just <laughs> tanked? He who said he, tank? he wanted to tank. I was like, "Who do you tank, man?" <laughs> so, but it, it, you have to hear him, and when you see them, and I don't know what Davy says, and he comes back to the Hall of Fame, and you just you got to follow the bouncing ball sometime with Davy to see what he's talking about. But it is hilarious. But but JD laughter no. once again. So seriously,
2: so when we would do like reunions they would bring back the 75 76 team and the 1990 team right and so just sitting there listening to these guys first of all shots fired amongst them right doggy normally starts it pete and joe got rest his soul was there and jb and those guys just going on and amongst themselves around the 75 76 and then they turn their attention to the 90 team And they look and they go, well, Lark, you're the backup shortstop. (laughs) Boogie Boogie is the only guy on the 90 team that would start on their team. And then they're like, oh, what about CeCe? You know, what about Cesar? (laughs) Well, Boogie's probably the only guy. And then maybe the guy's in the bullpen, right? But to hear, to be a fly on the wall and to hear those guys go back and forth, it was some of the It was unbelievable. I wish that there was a recording device at that particular time to hear Joe Morgan, how he used to tell these guys that he was pretty. He was a pretty. No, he would say Tony Perez told Joe Morgan that the Cincinnati Reds, the big red machine made him a pretty Ball player, because when he was with the Colts or whoever it was, he was an ugly ball player. When he was with the
1: Astros, he was ugly.
0: (laughs) Oh man, just
2: to sit here and listen to them, just to sit here and listen to them, and you know, and 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 Pete Rose talking about you know how he made everybody better. He wouldn't have no. I say this to Boogie all the time, like you're not hitting a three-run home run if I'm not on base. So, you know, it and yeah. that and that was Pete's thing. Pete was like, I'm always on base. And so of course you were gonna you owe me everything, bro, you know. And it just to listen to those guys and oh man, it was it was just amazing. My hope is that this team, at least while we're still around, the big league club has a chance to win because you know, the memories that we're able to kind of share and share with these this younger generation of players. Is because we want. No one really wants to hear about trying hard.
1: Yeah.
2: Any and everybody can try hard. Yeah. But it is difficult to win. And so when you have people that won to be able to share what it took. And sometimes it's tangible, but many times it's not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes you can work on it, other times it's just a feeling. You know, and so hopefully that feeling comes back to this organization and hopefully we can be part of that.
0: Here, here. Believe me. I'm all in on that, because uh, we're still reliving this with with the fondest of memories right now. The 1990 team, and it's been too long. Been it's been a long time. Been a long time. Three
1: years. Wow. Can you believe it? Sometimes you uh, can mm. you believe it's been that long? You too. Yeah, I can look at my wallet and tell it's been that long, because <laughs> it then got smaller every year. <laughs> well, how old are you though? Your pension's about. I'm ready sixty. To kick-
0: Couple of years from that pension kicking in though
1: right and I got daughters and I got granddaughters so they always in my wallet <laughs> boys don't get in your wallet like girls get in your wallet and they are all inside my wallet <laughs> I got good. both and I can attest to that yeah that's oh, true
0: I get it so uh once again I tried to shut it down before Lark, you got anything else hey no I'm good
2: <laughs> I'm good bro <laughs> I think we gotta get out to the field yeah <laughs> no
0: I appreciate your time uh, yeah. I'm going to have to roll you guys out, you know, the right way of this. I don't want to use my cheesy podcast theme. We're, we're going to roll out with this. I appreciate you guys, man. Red's country loves you.
1: All right. We're the Red Hots. <laughs> hey. Be Lark and the rest of the crew. Let me tell you a story top of the game and it's a dream all right guys thank you all right we appreciate that all right jd we out
0: it's blazing hot outside you get in your car to turn on the ac to get cold air pumping but it blows hot air out this issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the ac system you want an easy all-in-one solution